0: Hi, this is Alan Ruff, the Thursday host of A Public Affair. If you have a moment and uh, the resources, remember to support the station. And if you will, head over to wrtfm.org to donate and to see what else is going on at the station. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency, radio modulation.
1: The big sound from
0: underground. And the- good afternoon. Welcome to this, the Thursday edition of A Public Affair. I'm your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. So what are some of the key takeaways from Tuesday's election in Wisconsin? Here to share his vantage points on the recent news race for the state Supreme Court, various other outcomes, and the role of big money campaign spending, as well as some of the the related larger issues affecting the electoral process, is the longtime advocate of campaign finance reform and executive director of the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, uh, Matt Rothschild. Matt, um, old friend of WART, W-R-T, welcome back. Uh, What better person, I think? Can, can I think of to, well, have on to talk about uh, what went on on Tuesday, before Tuesday, Tuesday, and will ripple toward the future. So welcome.
1: Well, compliments will get you everywhere, Alan. It's uh, nice to be back on with you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: so, so Matt, where do we begin? That is, as, as a close observer of Wisconsin politics, the recent election cycle and its outcomes, what would you highlight as the big
1: takeaways or lessons to be learned? Well, I think the election of justice-elect Jan Prosewitz is a huge bomb to the spirit of progressives, uh, Democrats, liberals, leftists in Wisconsin who have been uh, under the gun since 2011, since the Scott Walker counter-revolution. Uh, and You know, there have been a few victories in between, like Governor Evers, uh, you know, staving off the continuation of the Walker counter-revolution. But this was a a huge victory for activists who've been working very hard for the past 11, 12, 13 years to try to reverse the tide here. And and now I think uh, the success is being felt. Uh, Certainly there were a lot of people uh, who turned out to vote really astronomical numbers of uh, record turnout uh, in a a spring election that isn't a presidential primary here in Wisconsin. Dane County was huge. Madison was huge with 63% turnout. A lot of young people uh, came out and voted who hadn't voted before. The lines were uh, more than uh, a half hour, almost an hour long at Eau Claire's campus, at La Crosse's campus. Uh, The big issue, of course, was the abortion issue. The abortion issue is still a winner for Democrats. I think Republicans are ruining the day that the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. They campaigned on that for decades. They got what they wanted, and it's blown up in their face. Most people in Wisconsin, by a 2 to 1, 3 to 1 margin, think that was a bad decision, and this has motivated people to come out to the polls now in uh, two consecutive elections. It helped Evers get reelected, and it certainly was instrumental in getting justice-elect protose on onto the court.
0: So you just mentioned, of course, that, that fundamental key issue of abortion and the woman's right to choose. Her is excuse me. Election changes the ideological balance of the state supreme court. How else will it affect politics uh, and and so on? What are, what are some of the other issues there?
1: Well, the the second biggest issue and an issue that we've been dealing with for years of the wisconsin democracy campaign is this issue of gerrymandering i mean our maps have just been horribly gerrymandered since uh 2011 by the republicans in the legislature uh and it was one of the worst gerrymanders in modern american history in 2011 and then they did it again in 2021 with the wisconsin supreme court saying you should uh, use the 2011 maps the super rigged maps as the basis for redrawing the maps in 2021 Ultimately, the Wisconsin Supreme Court, by the narrowest of margins, four to three, uh, imposed the maps that Robin Voss, the Speaker of the Assembly, had drawn. And I was there uh, in uh, the legislature when Voss was testifying on the witness stand about these maps, and he confessed to the crime of gerrymandering while he was testifying. He said, yes, we did use partisanship when we were drawing these maps. And And that's the crux of the problem. Should the political party that's in power be able to move a line here and move a line there on the map to ensure themselves power for the next 10 years? That's a ridiculous way for a democracy to function. Uh, Justice-elect Protosewicz was very explicit about her opinion about the gerrymandered maps, saying explicitly that she thought that the maps were rigged, and they are rigged. And now there's a four to three majority that should be open to a uh, conversation and a case from lawyers who are saying these maps are unconstitutional under the Wisconsin state constitution. And so I'm looking forward to that lawsuit being brought. I'm looking forward to uh, the demand from the Wisconsin Supreme Court that there be new maps and that they not be rigged according to uh, you know the Republican majority in the legislature, but that they be drawn fairly so that was a big issue
0: you're listening to Matt Rothschild executive director of the Wisconsin democracy campaign we're talking of course about Tuesday's election and what preceded it what is what is to come I want to encourage people uh, to call today uh, what are your reads on the significance of this, of, of the election uh, what is your take We'll open up the phone lines per usual at half past the hour at uh, 1230. And you can give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. One of the most interesting thing when I got my ballot in the mail, and I read through and I read the, the um, referenda, the ballot measures, me, the measures on the ballot... Um, I'm a pretty well-read guy, and I had to reread and look them over, and what are they saying here? Um, thought, thoughts thoughts on the, the referendum, because they, they went and it appeared to me in a different direction, the result of the voting on those.
1: Well, it's because these referendums, the first uh, were worded in such a way that if you hadn't seen them before, it seemed pretty commonsensical. So a majority of people would just check yes. What these were were very uh, cynical efforts by Robin Voss uh, and the Republicans in the legislature to uh, try to... gin up their base to get out and vote, number one, in elections, and number two, change the Wisconsin Constitution to make it easier for judges to, uh, you know, keep people behind bars even before they've been tried. I mean, we're supposed to have the presumption of innocence uh, in the state and in this country. uh, And if you hold people who haven't been convicted yet, and, uh, you know, you can ruin their lives. You know, they, they can't go to work, they get fired. Uh, they can't pay rent, they lose their apartment. Uh, and this is what happens if you hold people. Now, judges right now already have the ability to hold people if they're an extreme threat to the community. And so these were unnecessary. And yet they put them uh, on, the, on the ballot. These were the so-called cash bail Referendums, uh, and uh, I figured they would pass. We tried to educate, as did other groups in Wisconsin, the the the, the citizenry about why these are nasty. But I figured they passed just because they were worded in a way that seemed, even though it was confusing, it seemed on balance. Well, yeah, I guess I'll vote for it. But you're right about the wording, Alan, because there's some there's a phrase in the first one that no one understands who isn't an attorney. And that is uh, the, the expression affirmative defense. Somehow, if, if this uh, uh, amends the Constitution, it will deprive people of being able to use uh, an affirmative defense or something to that. Uh, What is an affirmative defense? I mean, so I do think that they are open to a challenge in the courts because anything that goes before the public in a plebiscite to amend the Constitution is supposed to be comprehensible to the average citizen. That was incomprehensible. So I hope uh, it'll be thrown out. And with the new Supreme Court, it might be thrown out.
0: Again, we'll be opening up the phone lines at half past the hour. I want to encourage you to give us a call at... 608-256-2001, extension 9, if you want to join in this conversation with your observations, comments, questions. Matt Rothschild, Republican State uh, Representative Dan Nodal narrowly defeated Democratic Attorney Jody habish Sinikin. That's a law firm right there.
1: I knew Gordon yeah. Sinek, he was at you know Lafollette Sinek was the old law firm with Gordon right. Sinek on it, and Habish is the great criminal defense attorney. So that's putting two big names together in, right. in liberal politics for sure. So,
0: so he, um, Nodal narrowly defeated uh, uh, Jody Hab- Habish Sinek in a special election for a state seat in the Milwaukee suburbs. That restored a, at least the news is covering it as the restoration of a Republican supermajority in the uh, uh, one, one chamber in the Senate legislature. You see any significance in that? The people have, I've been talking to seem to think it's... No big deal.
1: Well, I mean, some people are freaking out because they know that constitutionally the Senate has the ability to uh, to convict someone after they've been impeached in the Assembly. You impeach in the Assembly just like you do in Congress. The Assembly votes by majority, uh, and it goes then to the uh, Senate for... Uh, two thirds. And now, with the supermajority of the Senate having two thirds in Republican hands, technically, if all the Republicans in the Senate and the state Senate voted the same way, you could impeach anybody. I don't think they're going to do it, though, you know, I have to put a caveat on there, because ever since Scott Walker dropped a bomb in his own words on the people of Wisconsin, uh, you know, you've got to uh, leave open the possibility that the most uh, radical members of the Republican Party in power might try something. uh, just a pure power move. I don't think they'll do it. I know there are a couple Republicans still in the state Senate who I don't think would be happy to go along with this. The Senate Majority Leader, Devin Lemihue, has said he's not going to go for it. Canodal w- was the one who, who said he thought that you know, we should do impeachment of Janet with Canodal, the guy who beat Jody Abish-Sinnikin, was one of 15 Republican legislators who signed a letter to Mike Pence on January 5th of all days, the day before January 6th, telling him not to seat the Wisconsin delegation. I mean, this guy is a right-wing uh, conspiracy guy. And while he has cohorts in the legislature, they don't own the Republican caucus yet. Six zero
0: eight two five six. 2001, extension 9, opening up at half past the hour. Matt, one of your key issues always, from your vantage point, is the role of big money in our elections. In a commentary that appeared yesterday um, entitled, Wisconsin Supreme Court Race Shows Need for Campaign Finance Reform, you wrote wrote that the staggering amount of record-breaking money in the Supreme Court race, shows the need for fundamental campaign finance reform. Talk talk about that money, some of the figures that you discussed.
1: Well, it is staggering. I mean, it's insane. Uh, the past record for spending in Wisconsin in a Supreme Court race was $10 million. That was in 2020. This record is... This time around, soaring toward the fifty million mark. When all the the dimes are counted, we're going to be around fifty million in that neighborhood. That's five times the old record in Wisconsin. It's a national record too, because the national record prior to this was uh, fifteen million, set in Illinois back in two thousand and four. So we're going to be more than three times the national record, five times the state record. I mean, that's kind of astonishing, but. Other than just the the sheer magnitude of it, and and the outside money is dramatic, too. Look, at in 2003, 20 years ago, when Pat Rogensack was running to be on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, she's the justice, the right-wing justice who's retiring. 20 years ago, there was only $27,000 in outside money being spent. This time around, there was $27 million being spent by these outside groups. So you have the candidates raising astronomical amounts. You have the outside groups spending astronomical amounts. You have dark money groups uh, spending a lot of money. What's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that, number one, is the voices of everyday Wisconsinites are just totally drowned out. Uh, You and I and anyone who's listening right now in their kitchen or in their car or in their office does not have uh, as much say over who gets elected as the billionaires who are contributing to the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Or Richard Eline, the super rich, super right wing uh, guy who owns the Uline Corporation and lives in Lake Forest, Illinois, of all places, who personally spent four million seventy five thousand dollars of his own money uh, financing one of these outside groups, misnamed Fair Courts America, that was sliming your screens with mud uh, about telling you that Janet Proseowitz is uh, you know letting rapists off super easy all the time and, and call her and tell her to stop doing that. That's Richard Eline. One guy spending uh, more than four million dollars and actually uh, he funded two other PACs that spent two and a half million. So he's essentially spent more than six and a half million dollars to uh, try to influence the results of this election. And yeah, they're super rich uh, liberals who were donating to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin or to the candidates themselves. But our democracy shouldn't be a tug-of-war between a handful of billionaires on the left and a handful of billionaires on the right. In a real democracy, we all got an equal tug, or should have an equal tug, on that rope. And you know, Alan, and I know, and every single listener to this show knows that we don't have an equal tug on the rope. And so uh, it's, it's terrible. There's also a huge... Um, loophole in our campaign finance law, illogical uh, loophole. The state of Wisconsin uh, has a ceiling on what an individual can give to a candidate. That ceiling is ridiculously high. It was doubled in 2015 when the Republicans in the legislature and Scott Walker drastically rewrote our campaign finance laws to let corporations and super rich people have more power than ever before. It used to be uh, the maximum you could give any candidate was $10,000. And then you couldn't spend another dime. You couldn't give a dime to the Republican Party of Wisconsin if you wanted to give Scott Walker $10,000. Uh, you were done. What they did in 2015 was double the amount that you could give to your favorite candidate for governor or for Supreme Court. It used to be 10000 They made it 20000 And then they tore down the ceiling on how much you could give to the political parties. And this actually turned around and bit Republicans in the backside this time around because Ben Wickler... At the uh, head of the Wisconsin Democratic Party, uh, was able to uh, get big donors uh, to give six-figure and seven-figure donations to the Democratic Party more so than his Republican counterpart. But follow me here. Right now, the limit on donations to candidates is $20,000. You can give $20,000 to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin like Jay Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, did. And then you can turn around and give the Democratic Party of Wisconsin a million dollars, which is what Pritzker did. He could have given more if he wanted. And then the Democratic Party of Wisconsin can turn around and give that million dollars to proto So essentially, Pritzker is giving a million twenty thousand dollars to proto when the limit on direct donations to proto is $20 million. So, it's $20,000. Know, $20, $20, so, why why have a limit of $20,000 if you can just essentially use the party as a laundromat? I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: You know, uh, along those lines, I, I, I draw from a, a, a quote here in that, in that same article I referenced from, uh, from, well, from yesterday. It says, for a while there, boiled down to how fast Ben Wickler, head of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin could speed dial his bi- billionaire friends around the country versus how fast Richard Uline the far-right billionaire from Lake Forest Illinois could electronically transfer funds into his misnamed Fair courts action excuse me Fair Courts America pack Wow who wrote that that's a good line it was I you uh, finally got a ghostwriter I guess
1: hired <laughs> <laughs> a ghostwriter after all these years.
0: 608-256-2001, extension 9. We'll open up the lines a little early, 25 after, if you want to, again, uh, give give us your observations on what you thought was uh, most significant about this election or anything else you want to raise with our guest today, Wisconsin Democ- Democracy Campaign's Matt Rothschild. Let's continue on with, with the loopholes and, and the way that, well, the, the whole process of financing uh, these elections uh, uh, continues. You, you mentioned, of course, no limits on donations uh, to so-called independent expenditure groups. Like what? Who are they?
1: Well, a Better Wisconsin Together was uh, the, is the liberal group that was raising a ton of money and running a lot of ads. Uh, And, you know, there are other groups on the... other side, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce is an independent expenditure group. That's the biggest lobby uh, in the state, the powerful uh, big business lobby that has spent about $35 million since 2010 to elect uh, uh, people in the legislature, in the governor's chair, and on the Wisconsin Supreme Court that'll carry water for them. And it's probably a good investment for them. For just $35 million, you can own the place uh, and get laws that will allow them to pollute and, and uh, do anything that they want and have nothing to stand between them and and maximizing their profits so you know they can attack unions they got people to attack unions so that's what they you know they got walker to reduce regulations. so as you know it's for a small amount of money relatively wisconsin manufacturers and commerce has gotten a lot for their for their money and yeah so you know there used to be this expression out in uh, wisconsin from rich folks who like to play in the political arena and that expression was uh, i've maxed out and sometimes it was said disingenuously because if you were known as a donor to candidates a lot of candidates would call you up uh, and, but if you reached your 10,000 limit because there was a $10,000 limit aggregate limit on what you could spend in politics uh, up to 2015 uh if you'd already reached that limit, of course, you've got to be rich to reach that limit, but you've reached that limit, and a candidate calls you up, you said, you know what, I'd really love to help you out, but I've maxed out, I can't help you out. So they like to use that expression, I've maxed out. You know what? That expression is extinct now, it's antique, uh, because there is simply no way for a super rich person to max out in Wisconsin or anywhere in this country about how much you want to spend to influence Wisconsin's politics. And I say anywhere in the country... Because all this money that's coming from outside of Wisconsin raises the question as to do we really have self-rule here? Do we have self-governance here in Wisconsin? Uh, there's only one state, and it's Hawaii, that limits the amount of money uh, that uh, can come from outside into a a candidate's campaign. We've got no such limits here. We've got no limits on what anyone in the country can give to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin or the Republican Party of Wisconsin. We have no limits whatsoever on what anyone can give to one of these independent expenditure groups. So, uh, you know, it's become a contest just between the the super super rich on both sides,
0: you know, our our producer uh, today Jade tells us that we have uh, someone on the line. Mark's on the line has a question about so-called fair maps. Maps. Hello, Mark. You're on the air. Hi, I just want to know what would a fair map look like, and is it an, always going to be an issue depending on who wins? the election in this climate is it just going to be based on who makes the maps as you know can we get a nonpartisan team to do it
1: well it's a good question mark i mean it shouldn't be based on, on who wins the election on the even decade years and then can draw their maps to keep them in power for another 10 years that's goofy uh actually it's not hard to solve this problem iowa solved this problem about 45 years ago. It's called the Iowa Model. And what the Iowa Model consists of is not having the political party that happens to win on those decade-even years draw the maps, but having career civil servants draw the maps, and to have them draw the maps with specific criteria in the law that prohibits them from drawing the maps in a way designed to advantage one party or another, or one candidate or another, or one elected official or another. And there's plenty of ways to do it with software uh, right now that you can do it uh, in a politically blind way, Uh, and there's no reason we shouldn't do that uh, except that, uh, you know, the political party that's been in power in the legislature over the last two decades has been the Republican Party, and they've used their power, especially when they had Governor Walker to just rubber stamp it to draw maps that tilt the playing field in their favor. Uh, Governor Evers vetoed Robin Voss's maps the first time around, but then the Wisconsin Supreme Court, in a four to three majority, imposed those maps upon us, which I thought was a problem as far as just separation of powers, but also certainly a power on uh, a, a problem because it it's, gives us rigged maps again.
0: And of course the that whole story about that that go round around around that re, the redistricting maps how they were drawn by. In, in secret, in private firm, and and, and so on, no nope, no no anything really. Just they they did it behind closed doors.
1: I mean, that was the amazing thing. Especially in 2011, they did it not in the Capitol, not in sunlight. They did it across the street in the Glass Bank here on, on the square in the cushy law offices of Michael Best and Friedrich. They flew a political scientist in from Oklahoma, of all places, with his software to draw the maps, and then they rammed him through. And this time around... You know, they didn't do all of that, but they used partisanship, again, in Robin Voss's own words, uh, to to draw the maps to give Republicans an advantage. And I think most, uh, I certainly know that most people in Wisconsin are against that, whether it's Republicans trying to rig the maps or Democrats rigging the maps. And poll after poll, 72 percent, 80 percent of Wisconsinites don't want that to happen. They want fair maps. Fifty-six counties have voted either by resolution or referendums to send the legislature a message We want to ban gerrymandering, and there's not the power to do it in the legislature right now because Republicans still have the vast majority in both chambers of the legislature. But another bill will be introduced, uh, probably by Senator Jeff Smith uh, and Deb and Draca in the Assembly side to to say we need fair maps. A couple times there have been several Republicans co-sponsoring it. Uh, and I hope there will be more Republicans co-sponsoring it. I mean, they, they should have seen the results of this last, last election. Gerrymandering was one of the top issues that drove people to the polls, along with the abortion issue.
0: Matt, in your piece, you you taught you and here this hour, you've used the term the expression "dark money," uh, dark money from bogus issue advocacy groups. Talk about dark money and how it plays a role.
1: What is it? So. You all probably saw these ads this time around. Uh, One was funded by Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce that does both independent expenditure ads and dark money ads. The independent expenditure ads is when they're telling you explicitly vote for or vote against. Then they have to report to the state of Wisconsin how much money they're spending. But if they're clever, they know they can run ads that uh, don't tell people explicitly who to vote for or not vote for, but they have the same impact. For instance, this Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce Issues Advocacy ad or issue mobilization ad whatever their arm is they've got more arms than an octopus anyway their dark money arm uh said uh judge janet is uh, not sentencing rapists to what they deserve to be sentenced to she's going so easy on rapists called uh, janet pro to say what's and tell her to stop being so easy on rapists here's her number that is a dark money ad it's not telling you explicitly who to vote for it's obviously telling you not to vote for Judge Janet, but since it's not using those specific words, it can get away with not disclosing who their donors are or how much they're spending on the ad. And that's why they're so insidious.
0: 608-256-2001, extension 9. If you have a comment, a question, an observation, you want to join in the conversation, give us a call. Again, 608-256-2001. Extension nine. <clears throat> so let's talk about the lessons uh, that you 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 draw from this these record-shattering sums, the way this election uh, election turned out, uh, how how it was run, how it operated. Um, let's start, of course, with Reproto uh, uh, and her Democratic allies. The the reality that they outraised Kelly by about six million dollars. Um, but that they shouldn't get the, they should get the, shouldn't get the wrong idea.
1: Well, this is my concern that Democrats are going to draw the wrong conclusion from this race, and that is that they're going to say, "Well, you know, look at Ben Wickler. This guy's a genius. He can raise tons of money. Campaign finance reform is no longer important to us because we can beat Republicans at their game. Uh, they did beat him at their game uh, on Tuesday, and we can uh, beat him at their game forever or for the foreseeable future." I think that's kidding themselves look at there are more right-wing billionaires out there than liberal uh, billionaires out there and if it gets to be simply a race between billionaires Democrats are going to lose uh, and even if Democrats were able to win is that something really that you want that billionaires all over the country are going to tell us who to vote for and dictate you know the ads and uh, basically the conversation during a, a political season? Uh, that's not how I think a democracy should function. So that—that's one of the real lessons I hope Democrats learn. That you know this—this this may be the exception, not the so, rule. So, so what do you say to
0: people who, you know, well-meaning folks who would say, "Well, you got to play the game."
1: Well, I mean, it is the game. the The rules were set. The rules were set by the Republican Party, uh, and the rules were set by a right wing uh, Supreme U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and a right-wing Wisconsin Supreme Court. And some of those rules set by the U.S. Supreme Court were set back in decisions that go far back uh, into the late uh, 19th century. Uh, and then with, most notoriously, the Citizens United decision, but other decisions like the McCutcheon decision in 2014 that said, you can't put aggregate limits on what super-rich folk want to spend in politics. Another horrible ruling. So, Those are the rules. I don't criticize Ben Wickler for playing by the rules and maximizing his ability. I am just saying, don't think that you're going to win in this money race. And don't think it's good for our democracy either.
0: Yeah, you remind me uh, of the line that uh, my regular listeners have probably heard me come out with on occasion. That is, uh, it's a country run by the golden rule. Them that got the gold rule. 256-608-256-2001, extension 9. Another lesson uh, that you uh, mentioned in your piece was that the Republicans blundered in 2015 when they tore down the ceiling on donations to the parties. Talk about that.
1: Well, this is the short-term blunder that allows, uh, you know, Jay Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, Democrat, to give a million dollars to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. And if you're a Democrat out there listening, imagine how you would have felt if a Republican governor of Iowa uh, gave the Republican Party of Wisconsin a million dollars. I bet you wouldn't be happy. I mean, why in the world should a a governor from a neighboring state be able to pour in a million bucks or more uh, to a political party here in Wisconsin? Uh, You know, it is uh you got to think this is a nutty way to proceed
0: there's something i wonder as i was reading your article and going through it again this morning uh something came to me that that is that the impact of all this money on the democratic po- process or more aptly the democratic ideal uh since it's in essence nothing new that is in actuality, big money has always ruled. It's back to where we were a moment ago. Big money has always ruled, wielded its political power and influence. You know, after all, we live in a class society where money talks.
1: Yeah. How loud does it talk though? Uh, and, <laughs> and right now it's talking as you know, so loud that you can't you can't hear anything else. And yes, obviously we have a a class society and the rich rule and ruling ideas are the ideas of the ruling class. I get all that. But the change in campaign finance law um, to get by the U.S. Supreme Court really to uh, overthrow McCain-Feingold. And what we witnessed during this campaign was a sad and tardy eulogy for McCain-Feingold and for any meaningful efforts to limit big and dark money in our politics. So... Sure, when McCain Feingold was on the books, there was less ability for the super rich to dominate in the way that they are. And prior to the rewrite of our 2015 campaign finance law, it was less possible for just a handful of super rich people to have the giant megaphone. Now they've got the giant megaphone. Yes, the rich always have had a louder voice than the rest of us. Now they have a louder voice by, you know, uh, a magnification of the decibels dramatically.
0: Uh, Jay tells me that we do have another caller on the line. Ken, hello, you're on the air.
1: Yeah, hello, gentlemen. Thanks for having this show.
0: So I'm confused about this impeachment issue that uh, has cropped up ever since uh, the Senate got the supermajority of uh, Republicans. And I'm wondering if you can. I, I'm confused. I'm wondering if you can. Fill me in in any way. Uh, Will the Republicans have the audacity? Do they have the
1: ability to uh, actually impeach Judge Janet or uh, Tony Evers? Thanks, Ken. Well, they have the ability. They have the the numbers if every one of their members in the Senate goes along. Uh, I don't think uh, every member of the Republican caucus would go along with this. Uh, Whether they have the audacity, some have the audacity. Kenodal himself. Uh, who who beat Jody Havish Sinekin by a hair, uh, has been pushing this. I'm sure uh, Janelle Branchen would has the audacity. She's Wisconsin's Marjorie Taylor Greene impersonator. Uh, but I don't think that everybody in the Republican caucus, especially on the Senate side, wants this to happen. Uh, and so I doubt it's going to happen. But you've got to leave some room for the possibility that the crazies And the total power mongers will uh, try to uh, prevail as they did during the Walker days.
0: Uh, Jade is telling me, uh, just messaged me uh, that uh, we actually have a number of people waiting to get in. Uh, Excuse me. Charlie, hello. You're on the air.
1: Um, Hi, Alan. It's Charlie. I just want to... uh, let the voters know that, or let the listeners know that the voters in southwest Wisconsin uh, went overwhelmingly for uh, Proteus. Um, my county, um, which w- has gone for Trump in the past, was 54 um, 46 for Janet over um, Kelly. So, um, and Vernon County as well um, went um, heavily for Janet. Um, I don't have the percentage, but it looks to be about this. Uh, bigger even than 55 of uh, 45 so um yeah if you look at the map um the only county in southwest wisconsin that didn't would be like monroe county yeah the map is changing charlie i'm glad you called and pointed that out uh lafayette county also uh went for uh, jan Protasewicz. Uh, this is a map that's going to scare Republicans because this is a map that is going to allow Democrats to win. Also, in in Viroqua, there was a referendum on... Uh, whether we should, a non-binding referendum, but whether we should amend the U.S. Constitution to uh, overturn Citizens United and proclaim once and for all that, you know what, corporations actually aren't persons and money actually isn't speech. And that one passed by 91%. That's the 170th community that has passed such a referendum or resolution uh, in Wisconsin, thanks in large part to the great work of Wisconsin United to amend. Let's continue on with our
0: callers. Tom, hi, you're on the air.
1: Uh, yes. Hi. Um, gosh. I, yeah. Just to follow up, uh, uh, piggyback what uh, Ken was saying uh, about the supermajority. Um, what else could happen? What What else could play out? I I tuned in late, so um, you know,
0: other than trying to impeach uh, Governor Evers, uh, what other things could play out here with this?
1: Well. Tom, the other than impeachment, the uh, the other nightmare that some folks are having on the Democratic side is that what if a couple Democratic legislators in the Assembly are absent or on vacation or sick, and at the time of a vote that the uh, Assembly has a two-thirds majority, because there are a couple votes short of a two-thirds majority of Republicans in the Assembly. But if a couple Democrats don't show up for a vote, uh, like overturning uh in Evers' veto, then by a two-thirds majority in the Assembly and the Senate, uh, they can overturn Evers' veto and get any legislation passed that they want. That's why Democrats are going to have to show up in the Assembly.
0: (laughs) We got, uh, it's been a while since lines have lit up, uh, so so people are taking interest here in, in, well, an important topic. Ron, hi, you're on the air. Uh, Thanks, Alan. Uh, I have a question about, what the power of the Supreme Court is to uh, overturn an attempt to impeach Evers on uh, frivolous grounds, whether they have the power as a court to overturn that as well as supervise anything that the Senate tries to do to uh, undermine the authority of the governor. And I'll hang up and listen.
1: I'm not a lawyer. I am the grandson and son and brother of of lawyers. (laughs) I just escaped law school. But uh, I do think that uh, the Supreme Court does not have a say over impeachment the way I read the Wisconsin Constitution. Um, Certainly, the Republican legislature has already tied the hands of the governor and taken some of his powers away, as they've taken some of the powers of the Attorney General away. But that move to take the powers of the governor away and the Attorney General away could be revisited by the newly constituted Wisconsin Supreme Court with Justice-elect Protosewitz there. Uh, That's one of, you know, there are a whole range of horrible things that the Republicans have done over the last few years that can come back before the court if there are lawsuits brought by uh, some uh, plaintiffs who want to change what happened, like on drop boxes. We could have a lawsuit saying, actually, we should be able to use drop boxes uh, because that was a decision, again, that lost on that narrowest of four to three margins.
0: Judicial races in Wisconsin are supposed to be nonpartisan. Technically, they still are. Uh, you've written that, and ideally, that's the way they should be. Uh, but over the last 16 years, this ideal was, has fallen by the wayside as our judicial elections, especially for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, have become increasingly partisan. Talk about that. How, why and how that came about uh, as part of a, of a in, in essence, a national offensive.
1: Right. Uh, and, you know... People in the know about politics in Wisconsin have known for years that the biggest joke around, other than Ron Johnson, was that uh, Supreme Court races are nonpartisan, because it's been obvious and clear to anybody paying attention who the liberal candidate is every time around and who the conservative candidate is. That's why I almost have to laugh at the conservatives who are crying crocodile tears about, oh, my God, we're getting political. It's been political for a long time, and it became really political in the early part or mid-20 uh, uh, decade, of the first decade of the 21st century. And it became political because business interests around the country decided it was a good investment to throw money into candidates running for Supreme Courts in those states that had elected Supreme Courts like ours. They understood that for a small investment, they could get someone on the court or a majority on the court that would do its bidding. And then block efforts that would impede their ability to maximize profits at all costs. And so that's what happened. Wisconsin manufacturers and commerce here in Wisconsin in the mid part of that first decade of the 20th century, 21st century, started to pour millions of dollars in. I, I remember Linda Clifford was running against Annette Ziegler. Linda Clifford was a neighbor of mine near West High School when I was living over there. And we went, uh, we shopped together sometimes at the region co-op, Joe's as we call it. And I was over there one evening, and Linda Clifford was checking her groceries out in front of me, and I said, Linda, how's the campaign going? And she said, I'm getting crushed by the outside money. And... I just looked at the outside money about a couple months ago, and she was getting crushed by the outside money. It was outside money coming from Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. And they're the ones who really changed the dynamic uh, here in Wisconsin. So, again, when Republicans are, are being crybabies about it, they've got no one to blame but themselves and their big Republican business lobby, uh, the uh, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. And, of course, we saw that also in the Prosser-Kloppenberg uh, race, uh, and we saw it in the Lewis Butler race when Wisconsin manufacturers and commerce uh, backed a guy named Gableman and slandered Lewis Butler, the first African-American justice ever to serve on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, slandered in horrible ads and spent millions of dollars and and knocked him off the court. They're the ones who played hardball. They're the ones who introduced the big money. Uh, So, uh, you know, they shouldn't be complaining. We're moving toward the end of the hour,
0: but uh, we have certainly at least one more caller that I want to get in. Hi, Gilly, you're on the air.
1: Hi, Alan. So I just wanted to go back to the money for a minute um, and ask about public financing possibilities. Uh, I know that in other states there have been efforts to at least experiment with ways to get to uh, start towards back the place where there actually was public financing federally that was available. Uh, does um, <clears throat> Mr. hotel have any ideas about whether there's any hope for anything like that here in Wisconsin to, to do some, to try to get some legislation that would get public financing back so that, um,
0: you know, could check a box and make it available?
1: Well, thanks for the uh, call, Gil. It's a good question. We actually did have public financing for Supreme Court races In 2009, 2010, first part of 2011, and then Walker came in, and one of the first things they did was throw out that law. Uh, The the problem is, even if we had public financing again, and I'm in favor of it, it wouldn't solve the problem because of the U.S. Supreme Court decisions and Wisconsin Supreme Court decisions uh, on what these independent expenditure groups can do and what the outside money groups could do. So even if the candidates accepted public financing and took public dollars and uh, agreed to a limit on how much they were going to raise. The millionaires and billionaires would be pouring money into these outside groups that would be splattering our screens with mud just like they did this time. So uh, I think the the real answer, the ultimate answer, is amending the U.S. Constitution. That's a long haul. The shorter-term thing is if we had a, a decent legislature is to rewrite our 2015 campaign finance law and at least put reasonable and low limits low ceilings on how much super-rich people can spend uh, to either directly donating to candidates or donating to these outside groups.
0: That's a, we're sort of kind of dancing toward the end of the program here, and, and Gil's question gets to it in part, and you just touched on it. That is, talk further about some solutions. Uh, you, you've written that we need a ceiling on the donation Donations to the parties we need a ceiling on donation to the outside groups and so on take that further
1: Well, also and then the outside groups shouldn't be able to give to another outside group or to a political party And the political party shouldn't then be able to give to the candidates You've got to stop the the laundering of this big money and the dark money Uh, otherwise, there's it's just not going to work but Really, I think what we need to do is continue to build this movement to amend the U.S. Constitution and overturn Citizens United. Wisconsin is second in the number uh, of—only to Massachusetts in the number of communities who've signed on to this idea. Uh, And a lot of states have signed on to the idea, too. Uh, And uh, otherwise, it's uh, just—or the other solution is— to finally get better people on the U.S. Supreme Court who will revisit the Citizens United decision or the McCutcheon decision and look at the dissents by then-Justice John Paul Stevens in both those cases who talked about First Amendment rights of people who don't have a ton of money, First Amendment rights to listen to other viewpoints that are being drowned out. Um, You know, those are things that you know we're going to have to organize for, uh, but we need to get there.
0: Matt, we we still got a bit of time left here. What haven't we touched on, uh, issues, concerns of yours as, as you eg- examined the results of the election?
1: Well, some of the ads were bad on, on uh, Justice-elect Protossay, which is side too. I don't think we should uh, disguise that. She ran an ad that was accusing uh, Dan Kelly of himself being a, a coddler of rapists. I mean, for some time, you couldn't tell whose ad it was. You know, because it was both, this candidate is horrible uh, because the person goes easy on rapists. It was just a ridiculous mudslinging contest. And the problem with uh, Protosawitz's ad there was, Kelly at the time was a criminal defense attorney representing someone, and everybody deserves representation. I'm sorry. Even if you're an accused rapist, you deserve representation. (laughs) So it was kind of an outrageous and reprehensible ad by uh, 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 by Protosawitz.
0: Represented uh,
1: monsters. Yeah. I mean, every monster deserves representation. I'm sorry. That's our system and that's uh, judicial fairness. And and I also think I know she was trying to inoculate herself from the ugly anti crime ads that she was going to be hit with and was hit with. But that is a narrative that is a conservative narrative. And that hits the conservative, uh, you know, patella reflex of people out there and doesn't help. Uh, the dialogue uh, and doesn't help our politics when it comes to you know uh, all the people being incarcerated in this state and in this country for way too long uh, and in terrible conditions and, and in a racist uh, way as well and so that alarmed me uh, about uh, the uh, pro campaign. What else? What else? What, what what are we missing here? You know, I think. Uh the one thing to stress is just how many people did a lot of grassroots work. I've talked about Ben Wickler, but it wasn't just Ben Wickler. There were thousands, probably tens of thousands of people who uh, were so alarmed by the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and understandably so, that they just busted tail to get people uh, interested in this campaign, and out to vote. And it's not easy to do in a spring uh, election when there's not a presidential primary going on. So I just wanted to congratulate everybody who, who worked hard in turning out the vote. You know, they're, they're 62% in Dane County, 63% in Madison. Those are huge numbers. Madison now has surpassed Milwaukee in uh, the, the turnout for Democrats. Uh, and that's a change over the last couple of years. So that's kind of interesting. Madison and Dane County are becoming... Uh, really crucial to uh, Democratic chances. But I do think still we can't just rely folks on the Democratic and progressive side in getting out our base. Getting out our base, it was huge on Tuesday. But we do need to talk to people who don't agree with us yet. We need to change the map and change people's minds uh, because there is still this agitated far-right uh, group in Wisconsin and across the country that is very scary. And we'll take our freedoms away if we're not careful. And so I think uh, the lesson to learn is to keep uh, expanding the base, keep getting the base out, but keep it talking to, to other people. And look at the abortion issue. It's not just a Democrat. It's not just a progressive issue. You know, 90 uh, percent of Wisconsinites uh, are uh, against the 1849 law that says uh, rape, sh- uh, a victim of rape and incest should have to carry that uh Child. I mean, that is an abomination that Kelly believed in and that Tim Michaels believed in. The other thing is Republicans got to start uh, stop running. If I can give a little advice to them, stop running, losing white men all the time. Michaels had already lost. Kelly had already lost by 10 percentage points. Uh, and they ran him again. They ran him again in part because both of them were supported by Richard E. Line. So if you're in the Republican Party, are you just going to kowtow to Richard Elin just because he's got the biggest bank around, back, bank account around? He's terrible at choosing candidates.
0: Talk a moment. Uh, we're getting right down to the end of the wire. But talk a moment about about the Wisconsin democracy campaign and the work that goes on there.
1: Well, it's just a great organization. We've been around since 1995. We track and expose the money in our politics. You can go to our website at wisdc.org and find out who the big contributors are, who the big outside groups are. Our staff does an incredible job about tracking that money. Um, and then we advocate for a whole range of pro-democracy reforms, uh, you know, banning gerrymandering. Reforming campaign finance, making voting easier, not harder. Uh, And, you know, we advocate for racial equity and economic justice, too. That's all part of democracy. Democracy is a big term. And we've got to, you know... Make sure that we're encompassing everything under that umbrella. And that's what we try to do over the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. We also work in coalition. It's really crucial to work in coalitions. No one group, no one person is going to, you know, lead us to the promised land. We've got to work together in organizations. And you always tell people, Alan, that if you want to do something, do it with a group. Do it within an organization. It's much easier that way. And do it with a friend or two, too. Because if you just do it by yourself, you're going to bang your head against the wall. I don't want you to get a headache.
0: Well, Matt, as always, I want to thank you uh, ever so much for, well, what you do on such a regular basis. You're writing almost every day, campaigning every day. Uh, So again, uh, thanks for giving
1: us uh, this hour here at WORT. Here's a quote from June Jordan, I lust for justice and I make my quest arthritic. (laughs) That's nice. I
0: want to thank Chuck, our engineer today, Jade, our producer. I want to thank uh, our decent number of callers today. I want to thank you all and a decent number of listeners. I want to thank you as well. I've been your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff, and I'll be speaking with you next week. Recorded with information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream media distorted. We come and listen and supported. it. Live and direct, we come and never pre recorded with information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream media distorted. We come and listen and support it. Live and direct, we come and never pre recorded with information that would never
1: be reported. Disregard the mainstream media.